Good morning. Welcome to another issue of Chatterbox Radio. I am your host, Michael Derek Roberts, veteran political strategist and media and communications experts with a combined experience level of about 30 years. This morning, we're going to speak a little bit about the issue of small business growth development and challenges, especially in this new competitive market that is going to be dominated or is already dominated by artificial intelligence and machine learning. Chatterbox Radio, for those of you who do not know, is produced by Common Sense Strategies Group, Brooklyn's premier digital marketing agency with over 10 years of experience in this space. So let's just talk about a bit about the issues facing uh, small businesses. And while it's germane to Brooklyn, New York City, I suspect based on empirical evidence that this is the situation that exists with small businesses across the United States. So that similarity in and of itself begs for a comprehensive look at this. And this is going to be, this today's uh, podcast is going to be one in a three-part series addressing the issues of the issue of small business, business challenges uh, in the entire uh, United States in Brooklyn as a, as a test case as the incubator, if you will, of what is happening right now across the United States when it comes to small businesses. So let's just begin from the devastating effects that COVID-19 and the forced closure across the United States have had on small businesses' growth and development. In many neighborhoods in my neck of the woods, and I'm a proud New Yorker and Brooklynite, the very character of these small business and these neighborhoods have been changed perhaps forever. The old thriving mom and pops, small restaurants, small uh, hardware stores, small specialty stores, small outlets for everything has is gone. As a matter of fact, as COVID COVID-19, while done in terms of its murderous uh, binge across the United States, we literally had in the black and brown communities in Brooklyn and in New York City and state as a whole, literally deserts of, uh, whole, deserts of closures, storefront closures that have been plagued and continue to plague the socioeconomic landscape of places like Brooklyn and New York City, and indeed across the United States. Now, we have to go back to the root causes of what are the struggles, the daily struggles that small businesses face. And I am going to again use Brooklyn as an incubator and as an example um, though I suspect that this is the situation mostly across the United States. 
small businesses in in these communities um, are plagued by a serious issue of non-ownership of these spaces. So 99% of small businesses uh, in places like Brooklyn are, are not owned by those who occupy the space, are the, are the business that occupy the space. They're owned by absentee landlords who live perhaps in places like Florida um, and other parts of the, of the United States. Now, once a small business enters into a lease agreement with a landlord or the landlord's representative, normally real estate uh, represent local real estate representative representing a landlord, they are faced firstly with high rents. The average space, if you drive down commercial corridors like Flatbush Avenue, Rogers Avenue, Nostron Avenue, um, and other parts of Brooklyn, the average space for these small, um, I'm sorry, the average rental for these small spaces can range you at the low level, $4,500 to a high um, depending on the space of $10,000 per month. Now, in large part and in large measure, these are unsustainable rentals. So what you have is that businesses go into business with the best of intentions. They have not done market research. They, uh, they, they pool their resources, their family's resources, and come together to pay the, the, the one or two months or three months rentals. Now, when the foot traffic and their inability to market their products and services adequately and experience, uh, with experience and expertise, they end up in a situation where you literally have a white elephant. Nobody, few people come in, the few, the few people that come in as a result of foot traffic are not enough to give you the daily and weekly and monthly turnover to stay in business. Coupled with that, when they do stay in business, business over a year or over two years or over three years and perhaps as, as much as five years, they are also saddled with pain. The owner of the property's property taxes, yes, seems unfair, seems unreasonable that small businesses have to first pay exorbitant rents and then they are saddled with a, with, 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 with a liability that the owner normally pays for in the, in the fact that they have to pay the property taxes that accrue and estimated by the city on these particular properties that they are renting. So the, the, the landlord does nothing. The, the, the renter of the of the economic space of the of the business space has to do the painting, the refurbishing, the updates, the pay the, the, the overhead utilities of electricity, etc. Um, and also have to turn around, pay the rents, and then still pay the property tax accrued on the building that the, the owner that the, 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 the business renter of the business business 
does not pay. Now, that is fundamentally unfair. It hobbles small businesses. So what happened during COVID-19 is the, the, the Biden administration's um, PPP plan, the, the, the payroll protection plan that was supposed to help small businesses did not do a great job in, the, in our community or black, in the black and brown community with small businesses. Here's the reason why. Well, the problem is that local commercial banks that administered this funding program has, have had an historical aversion to lending to small businesses, small restaurants, mom and pop stores, because they, they did not see them or still do not see them as economically viable. So they lent money and, um, to their friends and people who could not be, and, and institutions that did not fit the bill or the criteria for small business. There was little or no oversight by the federal, city, and state governments in respect to this. So the point is that small businesses were shortchanged, were locked out of it. Now, the city of New York under Mayor Eric Adams is trying to do that over they have just uh, the mayor has just put a seventy five million dollar package that is woefully inadequate and won't go even far enough to 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 repair the damage caused by covid nineteen now let's be very clear the small business industry the small business uh, uh community across New York state was thriving and growing before COVID-19 hit. In places like Manhattan, small businesses uh, were thriving because New York remained a tourist, a tourism hub. And so you can go down uh, 42nd Street and any one of those famous strips in New York City, Fifth Avenue, etc., and you can see a mix of large businesses and a lot of small business, whether they were in the jewel industry, the, uh, the, the, the fashion industry, the clothing industry, selling tour, um, tourist-related products, etc. They thrived, they were growing, they were doing well. They did not need the handout and the handdown from the city, state, or the federal government to continue to grow. COVID-19 changed all that. And right now, Chatterbox Radio, uh, uh, we can tell you right here that this has been a significant problem. One of the areas hardest hit in terms of small business that, that was not even considered across the PPP program and others are small community-based newspapers. Right now in the United States, I think the statistic is that every day one newspaper, small community-based newspaper, closes for good. Now, that in and of itself is a, is a serious problem for this, the dissemination of news information, especially immigrant and ethnic communities that continue to be shortchanged in this entire space. So that is the background information and the present situation that most small businesses still face and continue to face, Herculean hurdles. The, for example, the restaurant industry, especially the small, ethnically inclined and, and themed restaurants in places like Brooklyn, Queens, 
the Bronx suffered literally disproportionately when it comes to COVID-19. They have been decimated. And even as they now struggle to open, to limp back to some semblance of normalities, high food prices, even at the wholesale level, is making it impossible for them to sell to a relatively poor and still COVID-19 reeling at-risk community so that they can make a profit. Restaurant profits have historically been very low. You're talking about anything between 10 and 12% um, in terms of profit margin. Uh, And when you you put that into into redevelopment and so forth, there really is little to go around. However, these restaurants and these small businesses in places like Brooklyn have had a unique impact on the society. It's what pays the rent. It's what sent children and young people to colleges. It's what's passed on to generations so that they too can send their children children. So there there is a lot of value in what America calls the backbone of its economy. In fact, small businesses account for employment for newly arrived immigrants, so-called undocumented in the, in, the, in, the, in the construction industry by some contractors, in the restaurant industry as, as cleaners, cooks, etc. So it, it makes sense to, to support uh, these, these, these industries. And yet we've seen only tipping, lukewarm, um, you know, just simply inadequate, understanding of the serious issues that these restaurants face and what they are literally doing is band-aid responses to a critical cancerous problem that really is on fat it's not workable it is problematic and 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 it's it needs to be addressed you're listening to chatterbox radio and this morning we're talking about small business and businesses and the challenge they face. Over the next two episodes of this podcast, we are going to examine ways and means that small businesses can still grow and thrive in this challenging environment, and but also look at what happens going forward as artificial intelligence and machine learning becomes a major, major issue and whether or not small businesses can survive, thrive, and grow and expand in such an environment. Our, our, our short answer is yes. And here, um, compliments of Common Sense Strategies Group, Brooklyn's premier digital marketing agency, we, we're going to draw on their experiences, their knowledge, and information and tell you how you can survive in this really, really difficult environment. Now, those are the problems, and we, 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 we need to unpack, indeed, the essential character, more of the essential character that small businesses bring to the table when it comes to the, the local economy. Now, we like to look at the economy 
um, uh, 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 in, in terms of what the stock market is doing, whether it's down, it's, it's up, or whether it's flat, or whatever it's doing. Well, we must understand nationally, small black and brown um, immigrant communities and their businesses are not on the stock market. They're not. Small stock market is, is only important to those who have disposable income that can buy and sell stocks in particular volumes to make the kind of return and money to make it possible for them to continue to do what they do. So let's remove that as an economic indicator of just how strong the local economy is. The national economy may be growing in leaps and bounds, and I don't ever, I'm not doubting that. Without job numbers, which again is another slight economic sleight of hand and a misleading metric when you're talking about small businesses. No, I'm not an economist. I'm not, I'm not professing on this podcast to be one. I am a political strategist and a business coach. So I can speak with some authority as to what is happening in the local economy because I can walk down the street and speak to merchants, speak to restaurateurs, etc. and get a better picture than what you might get on Wall Street when it comes to the economy. Because the local economy is what will drive the is is what will drive and what drives the national economy. Small businesses buy from wholesalers and then they resell their products and services in the community at prices that they can afford. So it stands to reason that if small businesses cannot buy supplies, goods and services at competitive prices, they are going to pass on to the consumers, to their local consumers who cannot afford it. These exorbitant price artificially set by monopolies that control the food industry, that control the, the service industry, etc., etc. So even as the Biden administration, as the Eric Adams administration in New York City, consistently talk about supporting small businesses, if there are no safeguards in place and these, this process continues to disproportionately affect small and medium-sized businesses, and let's just say, those businesses that, 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 that make annual gross revenue of about a million dollars or less. If that continues to be the case, those communities already ravaged and devastated by COVID-19, disproportionately so, are going to continue to face tremendous Herculean challenges to growth and development in the foreseeable future. That is the facts, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Chatterbox Radio, and this is Michael Roberts, your host. We've been talking today about the challenges small and medium-sized businesses face in growing, developing, and indeed thriving in a post-COVID world and environment. 
This podcast is particularly dedicated to laying out the problems as we see it right here. The, the other two podcasts, this is the first in a series of three, are going to examine one, what small and medium-sized business can do in both the long and short term to address, mitigate, and repair these situations. And finally, we are going to do, we're going to delve in, in the last podcast, the third one, about what policies need to change at both the macro and micro levels of government, meaning at the national level of, of the federal government and at the local level in places like New York City, the Adams administration, the, the state administration under Governor Chikati Hokal. Got it? So these are what we're going to do. So let's continue with some of the challenges. We started by explaining in places like Brooklyn, New York City, the exorbitant and high rents that small businesses are forced to pay for small inadequate storefronts. The small business inability because of a lack of capacity building and requisite skills in marketing, uh, advertising, promoting, and targeting the consumer base only rely on walk-in traffic, which is haphazard and not scientific in terms of how their business models are, and so that they remain in, in business perhaps one year, perhaps two years, three years, and then up continuously operating operating at a loss. All of their savings and family savings have been drained. They are forced to close, and then another another small um, immigrant, mostly business person with a with, with an idea and a dream, opens up another business only to repeat that cycle continuously without any sort of redress. Let me just also mention one thing that we did not in the start of this podcast. One of the fundamental issues facing small businesses is the strength and power of the New York City real estate lobby that has opposed, blocked, and obstructed the passage of many pieces of legislation that would benefit small business, but are seen by the real estate lobby as not in the interests of landlords and property owners. Let's put that on the table. That is a fact. The city council small business committee has not adequately represented and protected the interests of small businesses in New York City as a whole. That has not happened. Why? Well, the real estate lobby is tremendously powerful. They contribute, in quotation marks, directly to most city council members. At the end of the day, he who pays the piper calls the tune. In places like Brooklyn, because of zoning legislation that has not been updated for many, many years, the real estate lobby and real estate speculators can be literally anyway without any sort of pushback or even informing the committee and community boards in respect to those buildings. So if you ever came to Brooklyn or if you live in Brooklyn, you will see that almost everywhere there is available land with the real estate 
companies have built uh, high rises. Now, what has these high rises been doing? They have been pricing out of neighborhoods. They are changing the very caliber and, and, and character of local neighborhoods. They have priced black and brown people out of communities. So you're seeing people that doesn't look like that original character of the building coming in because they can afford the $25 or $28 in Brooklyn for a, two, a one or two-bedroom apartment. That in a district, in a, in, in a community, in a borough where the median household income is not over $50,000 a year. In, in fact, it is far less in many at-risk communities and poorer communities. So you see this confluence of issues that have come together to disproportionately affect small and medium-sized businesses. So if you're facing high rents, and in parts of Brooklyn and most of Brooklyn, you have over 65% of the population are renters. They're not homeowners. And in the case of homeowners, what you are seeing is that they are now facing exorbitant high property values and other types of values that makes them vulnerable to selling out their property to the same loan sharking, parasitic, aggressive real estate interests who tear down those homes only to put up these high-rise buildings, these condominiums and whatever they call them, whatever name, and allege that they're giving a certain percentage to, 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 to communities, affordable houses, they call them, which in any event is a pathological lie there, no, when you look at it. But then again, they hide under the fact, under the way that rents are tabulated in New York City. Again, that's what affects local small businesses. The landlord can put up whatever rent he or she feels is, 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 is necessary based on so-called market rate. Now, and there is a problem. In a subsequent, in the next episode of Chatterbox Radio, we are going to discuss the issue of how rents are, tap, uh, are, are calcul calculated in New York City as a whole. It has to do with the AMI, and I think that that stands for the average market index, or I think that is what it is. So what happens is small communities, not small, communities like, uh, communities like uh, Flatbush Avenue, um, East New York Avenue, Bronxville, New York, those communities that are historically poor, so places where there are a tremendous amount of public housing, like District 41 in, in, in the New York City Council, their rents are calculated with affluent communities in Manhattan, Yonkers, um, Long Island, etc., which, which makes the average market rate rent far higher than if those rents were calculated by neighborhood EMIs. And we're going to delve, as I said, in the next 
edition, we're going to delve into that sort of unfairness. So all of these conference, this conference of unintended consequences and deliberate consequences come together to mitigate negatively against small businesses. You have been listening to another edition of Chatterbox Radio. It's where we speak truth to power. It's where we debunk everything that people figure they know. We, 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 we strip it bare. Our thing is simplicity. And we tell you the truth. We give you the facts. And we give you the information so that you may be an informed small business person, community leader, community resident, family member, mother, whoever you are. This is what Chatterbox Radio does. And you know, the term Chatterbox comes from what my great-grandmother um, used to call me. Boy, you are a chatterbox, meaning I was talkative, that I spoke a lot. Now that's, not that I spoke bad things, but I, I was a chatterbox. And she is somebody who had the tremendous wisdom of the old African ancients. And so Chatterbox Radio is about that. It's about speaking truth to power. It's about giving you the information and the education that people and others in power would want to hide from you. So we're talking about what affects your small and medium-sized business. If you have any issue, if you have anything you would like us to address on this program, give us a call, 347-279-6668. 347-279-6668. Or send us an email, prstrategies at protonmail.com. prstrategies at protonmail.com. You've been re- listening to Chatterbox Radio. I'm your host, Michael Roberts. Until next time, Have a very, very enjoyable and productive week.